How is it that innovative software solutions have the ability to change the world, yet they don't sell themselves? How is it that I know my target market, but I'm not able to generate enough sales opportunities? How do I even get started to create visibility for my brand when I'm not an expert at marketing? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Welcome to Simplified, software marketing made simple. Okay, so we should be live. Um, I am here with Ryan Sorley, who is the CEO and founder of Double Check Research. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Liz. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for joining us today. Um, so maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself you know, so that our audience can get to know you a little bit and learn more about Double Check Research. Sure. So uh, my background is in research, having worked for companies such as Gartner and Forrester, uh, a company called AMR Research over the years. And uh, I guess I would call myself a student of B2B tech buyers. Um, working with DoubleCheck over the past uh, four and a half years, we've really, as an organization, been able to um, hone our knowledge and understanding of the B2B buying cycle and what buyers are looking for uh, day in and day out as it relates to technology partnerships as well as vision, needs, solutions, um, alignment. Great. So what insight are your clients hoping to gain when they hire you? Sure. Uh, So there's really four primary buckets of insight that our clients are looking for. Um, The first one is related to product marketing. So a lot of organizations that we work with, the relationships really start within product marketing, and they're looking for buyer insight, uh, real time to help understand how to modify their go-to-market strategy, their messaging, branding, things of that nature. Um, the second group or bucket is product management. So the product managers, of course, own the uh, roadmap for the solution. And they're looking to understand the impact of their offering on the marketplace, uh, where there might be product gaps, where they're losing to competitors, what the needs of their clients might be looking forward into the future. So really understanding what that roadmap should look like. Uh, the third bucket is related, but it's competitive intelligence. So a lot of our work focuses in on uh, asking buyers, your buyers, who who else they looked at, what their experience was like with those different solution providers, how they felt about their offering, how they felt about um, their sales approach, their reputation, things of that nature. So using that information for battle cards and helping to um, educate their sales team on the uh, areas of opportunity to probe during the sales process as well as to focus in on um, as it relates to your strengths to differentiate from the marketplace. And also related is the fourth bucket, which is sales enablement. So a lot of the work we do uh, really helps to bring to light how the sales team is operating out in the field. Are they uh, aligning their messaging and approach to the sales methodology that you've put in place within your organization? Are they effective? Are they responsive? Are they authentic? Are they transparent? So really helping to understand how the sales team is doing and then make any sort of changes that might be needed to make them that much more efficient and effective. Great. So why are win-loss interviews important and how have you helped your clients improve their sales processes because of them? 
So let's see. Uh, the win-loss interviews are important for a number of the different reasons that I had, had just re, uh, relayed in, in the previous question, but really understanding um, the, the white space, so to speak. Uh, a lot of organizations get a little bit of information from deals that were won or lost about why they made the decisions that they did, uh, but oftentimes there's a lot of, of white space and, and um unreliable information maybe that comes from the sales team, maybe a reason code was put into the CRM. So really being able to, to fill in those gaps is important. And how we've helped clients, um, we, you know, we focus in different areas within the interview. We look at business drivers, so really helping them understand where, um, why the organization was looking for a solution in the first place. We dig into areas such as selection criteria, so what was really important to them as they were looking to solve a problem or invest in innovation within their organizations. Uh, influencers, you know, where do they go for advice during the process? Uh, so win-loss interviews really help under, help an organization understand, are they going to a traditional research firm or their peer community? What watering holes are they frequenting to learn about the space and ultimately build their target list, their vendor target list? Um, another area is related to buying process, so and decision making process. You know, how, what did the committee look like? What was the process? Did they bring people in for demos? Was there a client reference uh, process? Who ultimately made the decision? What were the one or two different things that led to a win or or a loss ultimately? Um, a lot of information within a win loss interview uh, could be focused on the strengths and weaknesses of your organization overall or of your solution, uh, and then again, competition and sales performance. And I think you you um, you asked some specific questions about like how we've helped companies in those different areas. And I, I think that there's a number of different examples that we can point to. Um, and I, I think one of those areas is we have heard stories of our clients getting headcount uh, for specific areas that came up within the research that we conducted for them. So I have one client who was collecting, we're collecting information about pricing strategy and how their pricing strategy was not strong and well received in the marketplace. So that led to a new hire of a pricing director to help lead the effort for that particular organization. Uh, we have another client who time and time again was hearing about this product gap that they had and that information was being relayed to their C-level uh, executives on a regular basis, and that led to them acquiring another company to help fill that product gap to make them more competitive in the marketplace. And we have another client who um, used the information to put together uh, a competitive campaign. They were hearing a lot about this one particular company um, who was building steam uh, against them, and they used the information that we collected to get budget uh, and resources aligned to a, a campaign against this particular competitor in a particular quarter. Um, and then another example I'll, I'll use, just a final example, because there's tons of them, uh, is we, we had heard about, we, one client was having problems with, with in the interviews in one particular area of their solution, an area that they felt they were super strong, uh, but apparently the buyers felt they were weak. So they took that information, um, they used it for sales enablement activities to help the sales team really be able to articulate their strengths in this particular area um, so that ultimately the messaging out in the marketplace was stronger. Um, and they really invested in uh, resource marketing resources to help prop them up in this particular space. 
So it wasn't that they were weak in that area. It was that the messaging and the approach to the marketplace was not as strong as it could have been. So that's just a handful of, of different examples. Wow, sounds super interesting. Great. So what are the necessary steps for a company to get started if they want to implement win-loss interviews? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different things that an organization could do. And, and you know, we, we have seen that most organizations are at um, one stage of maturity as it relates to win-loss programs. Uh, most organizations are, are kind of immature in, in such a way that they're um, depending on their sales team to conduct uh, sporadic calls with buyers who they've recently lost deals to or, or won deals with. Um, so I guess the, the first step is really to, as an organization, come together, uh, take the functional areas that I had mentioned earlier, product marketing, product management, competitive intelligence, sales uh, leadership, bring them together and ask them, you know, what what would you like to see out of a data collection process of this type? What questions would you like answered if we were to put together kind of an interview guide or an online survey? Uh, what would you like to see? And by doing that, you're able to really get a group of questions that hit home to the important stakeholders within your organization. You also get them to step towards you as far as the program is concerned and have the feeling of ownership uh, because they've contributed. So there's a buy-in element that happens at that step as well. So that's kind of the first step is get that consensus agreement that this is something that the organization wants to do and make sure to get input from the important stakeholders within the key functional areas. Um, the second thing that you uh, we would recommend that you do is with that feedback, build an interview guide. Take the feedback that they provided, write up an interview guide, build an online survey. I could be using uh, any survey tool, really, uh, to put together a series of questions that might be a little bit more tactical in nature uh, and recirculate that, recirculate those tools back to the stakeholders, ask them if you feel they feel you've captured what it is that they shared with you and um, get their feedback on the draft and then ultimately finalize it. So that's the next step is kind of coming together on a common interview guide and online survey based on the stakeholder input. Um, the third piece is looking at your stack. Uh, so whether you're using a SurveyMonkey or a Qualtrics or a SurveyGizmo for your online survey uh, data collection efforts, you know you probably have one of those, uh, as, as most companies do. Uh, the next piece is figure out who you're going to use to record the calls. A lot of, whether it's Skype or GoToMeeting or any number of different conference bridge ca capabilities or providers, who are, you going to, who are you going to use? Make sure that you're going to be recording those calls. Uh, then from a transcription perspective, make sure you're lined up to have a transcriber. Uh, and that transcriber needs to uh, be one who can handle different languages, right? If you're conducting this research around the world, you want to make sure that in certain countries, you have local language speakers conducting the interviews because they'll ultimately get more out of those particular discussions. So whoever you use from a transcription perspective has to be equipped to be able to handle those nuances. Um, and then the third is to use those tools to centralize your data collection efforts. So if you're using an interview guide and an online survey, build them together within your SurveyMonkey or SurveyGizmo or Qualtrics. And as you're conducting the interviews and recording and transcribing them, take that content and put it into your central database. Have interview questions within um, your survey tool so that you can keep everything in one place and you can centralize it and then you can analyze it 
uh, over time. You can look at question number one and see what the responses were to that question um, throughout 100 interviews. Uh, so having that central repository is important as well. Um, the next area is to really figure out how you're going to qualify your targets. You know, which companies are you going to focus for interviews? Which focus, uh, which companies might you focus for just uh, online surveys? But really coming up with a group of targets that make sense. Uh, you know, we recommend that you look at deals that were recent wins or losses uh, within the last 90 days. It's important to get to them. Um, at that point of signature or as close to it as possible before they've kind of gotten deep into the implementation so that their opinion hasn't really changed all that much. Um, you want to look for competitive deals if competitive is important to you. You want to look for deals that are late stage. So uh, the more time a buyer has spent evaluating your offering, uh, the more they're going to share with you. Uh, so those those companies that have gone through your funnel have gone through a demo, a client reference call, met with salespeople a number of times, will have more to share than somebody who um, you had a quick qualifying call with and then you never spoke with them again. Um, you want sales participation in this process. You want them to uh, approve the, the nominations or the companies that you're targeting because you want them to feel like they're a partner in this process, that you're not doing it to them uh, but with them. And uh, they also help point you towards the right interviewee. So whoever it was that was their primary contact, it might not be the most senior level person or lowest level person, um, they'll, they'll know who the person is that can provide the most content and context. Um, and then the, the fifth tip uh, here is around building a strong communication plan. So once you've decided to do this, um, the, you know, all the steps that I had mentioned earlier are important, but you really need that head of sales to announce the program to the sales team um, and let them know that this is happening and what the, what the benefits are of such a program to them, what they're going to get out of it. And then you also want to build a communication plan that you can use with your sales team to reach out to the targets, uh, the people that you're targeting for interviews. And you want to assign somebody within your organization to kind of own this process, own the outreach process, own the interviews, uh, things of that nature, unless you want to outsource it to a third party. So those are the things that I would recommend um, you consider uh, when you're building a plan, building a program. And why are analyzing the wins just as important as analyzing the losses? So a lot of people start these programs and they're focused on losses. You know, why did we lose? It hurts to lose a deal. Uh, but what they don't realize is that each interview is a loss interview. Um, it might be their loss or their competitor's loss. Um, so as it relates to their wins, competitor's loss, that person will share a lot of insight into why they made the decision that they did, why they chose you over your competitors. They also provide a lot of great insight into your competitors, why they didn't choose them, what their experience was like, cultural fit, um, challenges they had from a sales perspective, pricing, contract negotiation. So once they've decided to partner with you, they're all in, and they're more than willing to share information with you that they feel can help you improve in different parts of your business. So it's a it's a gold mine of of, of content. Plus, you may have just lost, you may have just won the deal. You, there there may have been just one little thing that pushed you over over the over the edge uh, to, to winning the deal and, and your competitor losing the deal. So all these wins are not like hit home runs. <laughs> They're oftentimes foul balls uh, that, that landed in your lap and you won the deal. <laughs> um, 
So getting that insight from those discussions as to why you just barely won is really important as well. Yeah, that's great. Are win-loss interviews only for large enterprise companies or can smaller size businesses also benefit from conducting them? Uh, anybody can benefit from conducting a win-loss interview and large or small uh, organizations are collecting this insight today. If you're a small company, I'm sure your salespeople or your, your executives are conducting post-mortem calls with uh, companies who have cho not, chosen not to work with them um, and are also looking at uh, what reasons why organizations did choose them. So it is happening. Um, as far as the formalization of the process and investing a resource internally or using a third party, um, that also really depends on the um, solution that the organization is, is uh, selling. So you can have a small company selling multi-million dollar deals. Mm -hmm. uh, it makes sense to invest in a third party or, or invest in a our internal resource to help support that effort. You really, it's a small investment compared to the deal size. If you're a, a large company selling highly transactional products that are, have a low sticker value, um, that sometimes is harder for companies to kind of get their hands around, well, why should we invest this much money when our product only costs that much? Um, so it's a little bit harder uh, for those organizations to get their head around why they should do it. And in those cases, um, a lot of times they'll start with an online survey. Uh, maybe they'll have some sort of a um, data collection effort there that helps them understand ultimately in this high transaction world, you know, what are the things that are leading to a loss or, or to a win. Uh, but really, it, any organization is, is a fit uh, for win-loss. It's just how much they're willing to invest in the program um, and grow in different levels of maturity and benefits as it relates to formalizing a win-loss program. Have any of your clients used the results to make changes to their marketing strategies? Absolutely, yeah, every day, really. Um, a lot of the work that we do, because it's competitive in nature, really shines a spotlight on how competitors are differentiating from them. Um, and oftentimes how differentiator, how those differentiators are coming across in kind of a negative way against the companies that we're, we're working with. So it, it's extremely helpful for them to find out what the message in the marketplace is, um, what they're up against, and how they might change their positioning. Uh, we always recommend to take the high road, not to smear your competition, but it's always nice to know if your competition is smearing you. Um, and, you know, as it relates to things like demos, uh, data sheets, where to invest in different events, you know, we, we're finding that uh, your buyers are gravitating towards a certain resource for information, whether it's a, a research firm, um, things of that nature, absolutely. Loyalty programs, uh, another big area. We, you know, we believe wholeheartedly that if organizations spend more time, effort, resources, and money on cl existing client relationships, that a byproduct of that is growth, right? Because uh, the number one influence to a lot of these decisions is peer peer discussions. You know, who do you use? How's it going? Sure. Um, and, and that leads to uh, companies being invited into an evaluation, and ultimately it leads to wins or losses. Um, so, yes, there's a lot of opportunity, a tremendous amount, which is why product marketing is usually the, the person who get people who give us a call first uh, because they understand the value of this type of feedback. 
Sure. You've touched on this a little bit already, but what would you say is one of the main benefits that you've seen your clients get out of conducting win-loss interviews? Well, win rate improvement is the main benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a direct do- dollar-related ROI to investing time and energy into this type of a program. So uh, that's typically a lead when we're speaking to organizations who um, who are looking to win more business. <laughs> you know, that's that's ultimately the place that they want to be. Unfortunately, a lot of organizations don't have a strong frame of reference for their actual win rates. Uh, and when we bring the question up to them, you know, what are your win rates today and how are you looking to improve those? Sometimes they just really struggle with answering that question. So I think um, organizations need to be ready for these, these efforts. Uh, they need to have some sort of a baseline metric that they're working off of. And a win rate is a great baseline metric, but understanding what your win rates are uh, is, is a step that they should take. And I should have mentioned that earlier. It's really kind of having that readiness baseline to be able to, to know how, it, how much you, you ultimately improve through, um, through the program. Is culture ever a consideration when you're designing the questions to ask prospects? Yeah, yeah. Um, Absolutely. There, there are a lot of different communication styles and um, levels of professionalism that organizations um, are, are used to based on where they're located, based on the type of company they are. It could be industry, industry related. You know, some financial services companies are, are um, often they require a little bit more of a conservative approach. Uh, you have different uh, countries that have different ways of doing business, so it's important to have a uh, an interviewer who's familiar with that that particular country and how they do business, so they know how to um, open up a conversation in the right way. Uh, and you know, here in in the states where we are, it's a little bit uh, less formal in some cases, um, but in other countries, you know, certainly Germany as an example, you have to. Um, you know, start with uh, you have to you have to um, refer to people in certain ways, <laughs> mm. uh, and certainly that's the same in Asia Pac and in other parts of the world. Right. You have to really have somebody who's knowledgeable in that space. Mm. Why is it better to outsource this activity to someone else rather than doing it in house? That's a, g- a great question. I think there's a number of different um, reasons to do it. The first is that it's it's kind of a monumental task to run an effective win loss program and when you look around your organization, um, you have to kind of designate it, designate somebody to own own the program. And oftentimes, the person you designate, it's not their full-time job. They have other things going on, which makes it very difficult to keep it going forward uh, and get not get that person sidetracked with other projects and priorities. So um, having somebody who owns the program for you, who manages it for you, who's um, reporting out on progress, who's reaching out to you when things uh, are needed. That's really a really important part of the process. The independence is another big factor. Having a third party conduct the interviews is really important because a buyer is more likely to share open and honest feedback sure. with yeah. somebody not at, not at the, at the vendor organization simply because they, um, there's no fear of an emotional response to their feedback. Mm. Uh, you know, oftentimes they don't want to call somebody's baby ugly uh, to their, <laughs> directly, uh, directly, but they'll do it uh, to, to an independent third party. Um, and then the independent third party should have a level of expertise. They should have, 
you know, the right level of knowledge in the particular technology area that or, or area in general that the um, that the customer is in and be familiar with the solution area and all that stuff. So having um, some sort of background that's applicable to help support those interviews is, is quite important as well. Um, you also have the tools uh, th that a third party might use to help um, manage the program, report out to you, um, analyze the data, summarize the data. Um, you know, we, as an example, have editors, we have data analysts, we have market uh, intelligence type analysts. So there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen to help make sure that the pro that the reports come out in a timely manner, that they're that they're professional, um, complete. Uh, when you run it internally, it's hard to do that, and uh, it often again falls to one person part time, uh, so it's not as effective. Uh, hmm. So. I guess the last piece is that because third party, a third party is conducting the information and there's an investment being made in that third party, people pay a little closer attention to it. Um, Makes sense, yeah. Than, uh, than somebody in house who, you know, is, is easy to ignore, <laughs> right? Or bias. <laughs> uh, so, so oftentimes when you, when you go in for that executive summary, quarterly presentation, you, know, you get the C level sitting there. Um, they're really looking towards you for, um, analysis of the insight collected, but they also want you to compare your findings to other companies that you work with. You know, how do we compare in this hmm. area of sales? Or how do we compare in this area uh, of benefits? Uh, and the third party can bring that to the table. Excellent. And just one last question kind of off the cuff. So um, what do you think is one of the biggest factors that you've come across uh, why somebody chooses one solution over another? Is there any, you know, one thing that you can kind of pinpoint? I mean, is it always price? Is it always, you know, good customer service? Yeah, you know, it, it's I, I've kind of mentioned it a few times in different ways during this discussion, but the, the number one thing is uh, peer recommendation. And, you know, you can invest a ton of money into your solution and into your sales team, um, but if you have a poor customer success team and somebody signs up with you and has a bad experience, they're going to tell other people, sure. and those other other people are not going to buy from you. Um, vice versa, if you have a really strong client-focused uh, organization who's really dedicated to providing as much value as possible and really going above and beyond the call of duty, those people are going to talk about you in a really positive way, and they're going to be your best sales assets. So um, I believe, we believe that you know, the, the really most important thing here is happy customers lead to growth. Uh, that's the, the one big takeaway. There's a ton of them, but that's the one that comes up quite Absolutely. regularly. Great. Well, Ryan, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to add? No, I, you know, I just I want to say that we've really appreciated working with your organization, uh, helping us be able to expand our capabilities globally in different languages. Um, you've been a, a fantastic partner, and we appreciate it. So thank you. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. You just listened to Simplified, brought to you by MediaDev. If you have software marketing questions or need help marketing your software solution, reach out to us at contact at mediadev.com and check out other amazing assets for you on our resource library at mediadev.com. <laughs>